Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Brookside. And it is crazy to think that last week at this time, we were prepping for ice again, and everybody was out hitting the grocery stores, stocking up, like doomsday prepping for the ice storm that was coming. And then earlier this week, I was driving around with my windows down, shedding layers. So you've got to love the, the weather whiplash that is the Midwest this time of year. Well, today we are in part three of this four-part series that we're doing, and we're calling First Things First, where what we're doing is we're looking at some fairly simple but very important things that, that, that we want to build into our lives that can make a ton of difference in our lives. I would even go so far as to say that these things we're talking about in this series, they're non-negotiables in our lives as we help people find and follow Jesus, the thing we want to be about as a church. But then on the individual level, these are the things that, that, that help us really experience the life that Jesus wants us to experience and see the difference Jesus can make in us and through us in our own lives. And so a couple weeks ago, we started where we'd want to start a series like this. And, and Jeff took us into Psalm 1, where we saw that one of these first things, first priorities is the Bible, is the Word. We want to be a church of people that are, that are reading the Bible, certainly doing that, but not just stopping there either, that, that we're reflecting on it. And we are applying it into our lives. As we do that, we discover how much of a game changer reading and reflecting and applying the Bible is. And then last week we saw that extravagant worship is another one of these first things first priorities. When we think about, about how big God is and, and everything Jesus has done for us, and, and if we just simmer in that for 10 minutes or 5 minutes, our knee-jerk reaction should be worship. Our knee-jerk reaction should be just giving God the supreme, ultimate, final worth that he deserves as God because of, because of who he is and what he's done. So, so we want to show this sort of extravagant worship, certainly, in what we do as we gather together on Sunday mornings, as we sing and in everything we do here. But we also want to show this sort of extravagant worship in all of the ins and outs ways as we live our lives throughout the week. And then we come to today, where the third first things first priority that we want to be about as a church is biblical community building deep relationships with others about the things that matter most. It's helping, it's helping others follow Jesus and growing together spiritually. And, and community might seem like an easy priority to firmly establish in our lives. Because I think we all want community. Whether you're an extrovert and you want a lot of community, or whether you're an introvert and you want like one in your community, right, just a few, we all want somebody that we can call at 2 a.m. when we get the news that turns our lives upside down. We all want somebody that knows us and sees us and values us and where we in turn know them and see them and value them. We all want a community where we're valued and accepted and where we contribute in meaningful ways. And so we all want this. But, but as much as this priority of community lines up with our desires, 
I think our experience of community leaves a gap there between what we want and what we experience. We, we know how tough it can be to find meaningful relationships. The crazy pace of our lives, the constant distraction that is technology at our fingertips, our value that we place on instant gratification over the patience required that it takes to cultivate deep relationships. All of these things make it seem like the deck is stacked against deep, meaningful, compelling community. I mean, just think about one of those things that I just mentioned. Technology. Carrie and I were out on, on a date just a couple weeks ago at a restaurant where you actually sit down and order. So uh, usually we go to Costco or Qdoba or a drive through So this was... We got four boys, so you do what you got to do. So this was, this was a nice date for us, right? And so, so here we are at this restaurant where everybody is there with somebody else. Everybody is there with, with their spouse or with a group of people. And it's crazy. You look around at this restaurant where everybody is there with others, and you see individuals all over the place in groups absorbed in their individual devices. And the thing is, we all know how normal that is. That doesn't surprise us or catch any of us off guard. I'll raise my hand and say it's often that I am one of those guys. It's stuff like that that has led to this phrase that we've often heard, that, that you can be alone together in our world today. We may be in proximity to others, but it's not community. I recently ran across a video clip with this guy, Simon Sinek, hugely popular author and speaker. And, and what he's doing in this clip is he's, he's commenting on some trends that are swirling around us in our culture. And, and he's specifically, in this quote I'm about to read, talking about the influence that technology has on our relationships today. So, so listen to what he says here in this quote. He says, he says too many kids, but, but in my experience, this isn't just kids, right? This is everybody here. Too many people don't know how to form deep, meaningful relationships. Their relationships are superficial. They have fun with their friends, but they can't rely on them. Deep, meaningful relationships aren't there. And remember that, that Cynic is saying this in the context of a segment where he's talking about the influence of technology on relationships. Technology can be overused or technology can be abused that make deep, meaningful relationships difficult. We, we can even forget what a deep, meaningful relationship looks like when these are the waters we swim in hour after hour, day after day, and week after week. So let's zoom back out and remember that, that we're talking, on the one hand, about our desire for deep relationships over here. But we've also seen that, that over here, there's the reality. That we have a tough time experiencing the relationships that we want. And, and if this gap between what we want over here and what we experience over here, if that gap, if, if, if that gap gets too big or if that gap stays too big, then we're going to give up on community. Or we get cynical about it. We just sneer and say, that sort of true, deep community doesn't really exist. And anybody who tells you otherwise is selling you something. 
or we settle for something far less than the community that we want, than the community that God designed us for. And so, so today, in that space between what we want and what we experience, I want to introduce a whole other alternative that, that, that should shrink that space. That should bring our desire for community and our experience of community, maybe not right on top of each other, but a whole lot closer than a lot of us experience. And so, so here's the bottom line of everything I'm driving at today. The most compelling community should be found in the church. And when I say the word church here, I'm not talking about how people a lot of times think of the church. A lot of people hear the word church and they immediately think church building. They think four walls and a ceiling. No, I'm here talking about the, the group of people that are finding and following Jesus together. I'm saying here that the most compelling community should be found in the church among believers. Believers in Jesus Christ, those who are, who are trying to follow him with, with some of the ups and downs that involve, but have their trajectory set in that direction because they've placed their faith in Jesus. And, and the reason I can say this, that the most compelling community should be found in the church, is because the Bible affirms what we saw over here. The Bible affirms our desire for community. It doesn't say you're wanting the wrong things. It says you're wanting the right things. The Bible, all the way back in Genesis, tells us that we are created in God's image. And as we keep reading the Bible, we discover that God himself is three persons in one God. The language we use for that is the Trinity. But, but that means that God himself is a relationship, is relational. Where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are interacting in relationship as the one God. And so when we want community, we're just affirming the way God made us. We're built for it. It's baked into who we are and the values we should have. But the Bible does more than just affirm our, our desires. It also shows us the reality we should want to experience. It shows us how to have that thing that we want Again and again and again, as you read through the Bible, you run into all sorts of these things that people call the one another statements. You know, love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, and, and dozens and dozens more. Somebody counted, and, and they said there's 59 distinct one another statements throughout just the New Testament. And all of these show us what this community that we want to experience looks like. And this sort of one anothering that we read about, it's the best possible sort of community where we find deep relationships about the things that matter most. Relationships where, where we not only bring something to the table and where we offer something, but where we benefit, we receive from those around us as well. And so, so this doesn't mean, though, that, that, that as the Bible affirms our desires and shows what experience looks like, it doesn't mean that our experience of community in the church, even there, is not going to be perfect. So, so let's be clear that we're still imperfect people. But, but I don't want to keep that from holding our feet to the statement we're looking at. The most compelling community should be found in the church. 
And then to get super specific, that, that means when people think of us, Brookside, when people think of us on the very short list of things that, that they'd use to describe Brookside Church first, on that short list of things, community is towards the top. Where, where we, as one church, are an example of where people can find community that is attractive. Community that forms us. Community that draws people in. And so with the rest of our time together, I want to look at just two verses that come towards the end of our Bible. The places we're going is the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And in Hebrews 10, we'll see some practical ways how community should be taking shape in our lives, in this place. And so, so while you're going there, because we, we love it when people actually follow along with us as we track through the Bible. So while you're finding Hebrews 10, let me just say right now what I want for us this morning. As we look at what the Bible says about community, I hope the picture that we paint is so attractive that some of you that aren't in community, that, 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 that know you have a tough time experiencing and finding that community that you want, I hope we paint such a compelling picture that you're drawn into it and you're willing to, to take some steps into community this morning, maybe in some bold ways that are kind of awkward or uncomfortable, but that show you're ready to pursue that. So, so if you're not in a group, that's what I want for you. If you are in a group, I want to paint such a crisp HD picture of community for you that, that you know what the groups you're in are supposed to look like. Because we talk about community a lot. It's worth every now and then just making sure that we're, that we're clear on what that thing is. As we talk about groups and community, what that thing is that we're talking about. So, so here's what Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Here's what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day. Capital D day, right? This, this day when Jesus returns. Is what that's talking about. When we're not just following Jesus, but when we're facing Jesus. As we look ahead to that, we, we encourage one another. And all the more as we look ahead to this day that's approaching. We can see the value of community right in the middle of that passage. Where, where we are not to give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Right? We don't, we don't know for sure why some that are, that are in this church that Hebrews is written to, we don't know for sure why some are giving up and backing off of community and gathering together, but we see that they are, right? Don't give up meeting together as some are doing. People speculate that, that it could be persecution. Others suggest maybe it's just spiritual laziness. But whatever the reason, the author of Hebrews won't have any of it. He says, whatever your excuse, don't give up. Keep meeting together. Make community a priority. And, and today, in our lives, in the 21st century, we have our own reasons for being tempted to back away from consistently meeting together, from prioritizing 
community, don't we? I mean, so, so there's the funny end of it, right, where, where maybe you're a Chiefs fan and everybody else in your group is a Steelers fan. And you're just like, I'm not going this week. <laughs> uh, go Steelers, by the way. Had to, had to get that in there. But, but, but maybe some of your reasons are much more legitimate, you know, where, where you've been burned by community in the past in some deep, hurtful ways. That's you, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry you've, you've faced whatever you've faced and you've been through it. Others of you just feel how crowded everybody's lives are. If you're a student, you know the piles of homework that are always there. You know the extracurricular activities that are always just there for you to be involved in. Uh, uh, the rest of us, right, just know how busy life gets with, with work and family and, and everything else that crowds our schedules. But whatever our excuses, I want us to hear what God says to us through the book of Hebrews today. Don't give up. Don't give up meeting together. Prioritize community. And, and then I love that right alongside this statement where, where community is valued in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 also shows us what that looks like. It shows us how to pursue the, the, the community that we're called to. We spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We encourage one another. That's the sort of community that, that if we include those three ingredients in the way that we interact, the way we relate with our groups, with our community, I'm convinced that's compelling, that's attractive, that will draw others in. This picture of meaningful, biblical, true community. And I, I, I love that word spur that's up there that the verse uses. It's such a great image of what we're supposed to be doing with each other. My wife Carrie uh, showed horses, rode horses, whatever the right way to say it is, since she was 11, all the way through high school. So she was a horse show woman person, you know. And so, um, uh, quick aside here. So when we were dating, she still had horses on her property when we were in college. I got on her horse one time and got as close to getting bucked off without actually getting bucked off as possible. So I'm kind of sitting halfway on the saddle trying to hold on, like whimpering or something. It was awkward dating moment right, kind of right there. But so, so, so here, Carrie, just, just imagine this 11-year-old girl trying to get an 1,100-pound horse to do what she wants it to do. There's no way she's going to get that horse to do what she wants it to do, to, get, to do what the horse needs to do to, to show well, unless she has spurs, right? Spurs are how uh, an 11-year-old girl can form, can shape a horse, an 1,100-pound horse, into showing well at all the competitions and things that they did. And in the same way, and in the best possible sense, community helps spur us along. Community helps us do the things that we need to be doing that we wouldn't otherwise be doing if left to ourselves. Listen to what Tom Landry, that great Cowboys coach from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, listen to what he says that I think has a, toll, has a whole lot of overlap with what we're talking about today. Tom Landry says, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do 
in order to help them achieve what they've always wanted to be. That is what we all do for each other in true, biblical, deep, meaningful, substantial community. So we spur one another on towards what? First of all, we spur one another on towards love. Here's where we're back in Hebrews 10 and we see that we stand out in love. Love is one of those words that people define 17 different ways. So, so let's put some teeth on what this love is that we're supposed to show each other here in Hebrews 13 or Hebrews 10. And, and the best teeth I know to put on this is just finding a couple other passages that help us understand what this love is that we should be showing each other in community. So, so first place we're going to go is 1 Corinthians 13. Just write it down. It will come up on the screens. Follow along with me up here. So 1 Corinthians 13. This love that we're supposed to be showing each other. Love is patient. I'm three words in and I'm convicted. You know, Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Love doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Love isn't easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. So, so there's no tally sheet in the love that we show each other. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. If you want a definition of, of the love we're supposed to show each other, in community, this is a great place to start. This is the sort of bold, others-centered, sacrificial love that I'm supposed to be showing to others and others should be showing to me in biblical community. But, but there's more because Jesus himself weighs in on, on what this sort of love that we show each other, what it looks like and what it can do. So let's go to John 13. Jesus talking to us in this passage and John chapter 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another. And then, and then he says, as I have loved you. If you want the picture of bold, sacrificial, others-centered love, look at Jesus. But, but look, at the, look at the standard he puts in front of us. The way we're supposed to love each other. He says, the way that I've loved you, Tim, that's how you're supposed to love one another. That's how you're supposed to love others. Brookside, the way we've been shown love, the way Jesus has loved us, that's the way we're supposed to love each other. And then verse 35, he says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love each other in that way, this sort of love will get the attention of others. This sort of bold, other-centered, sacrificial love will stand out. It's compelling. It'll get attention, but I think it'll draw others in. As people see a community loving each other in these sorts of ways. Let's go back to Hebrews 10. We saw first we're supposed to love each other. We also show each other good deeds. We overflow with good deeds. The, the love we just saw, it should naturally lead us to put boots on and start doing things 
to, to apply that love as we show it to others. So, so as we talk about overflowing with good deeds, these are good deeds that we show to others around Omaha, we show to others around the world. But I think sometimes we can get so big that we forget these are the same good deeds that we're supposed to be showing the people that know us best. These are the same good deeds we're supposed to be showing the people we see week in and week out and week in and week out. And the great news is that we're doing this, Brookside. We're, so, so we're doing this on the big scale. You know, I mean, just think of the Go Teams trips that we send out each year. I love that you can drive around the building today and you'll see the steel frame of the care center going up. We're, we're doing good deeds for others in great, good, big ways. But then I love that we are also showing good deeds in small ways, ways that maybe you don't even know about. So, so completely on their own initiative. This wasn't programmed, this wasn't structured, completely on their own initiative. I can tell you about groups coming alongside others in their group to, to cover meals and take care of yard work while somebody in their group is facing some sort of unplanned sickness or other emergency. I can tell you about groups that have rearranged their schedules in their day to go be outside the hospital when somebody in their group finishes the last day of cancer treatment and, and to celebrate that accomplishment with splash. They were there with noisemakers and posters and there was a group there. This, this guy walks out and he's just blown away, completely surprised by the stuff his group had done to celebrate his last day of cancer treatment. I can tell you about groups that drive for hours to go to the funeral of someone they don't even know because someone in their group just lost somebody that was close to them. And the thing is, if you were, talk, if you were to talk to any of these people that did any of these things I just described, they wouldn't make that big, a a big of a deal out of it. I, I bet they'd say something like, that's just what you do. And the thing is, it is just what you do when you're in biblical, healthy, substantial, meaningful community with each other. The third thing we see is that we encourage. So we, so we love, we show good deeds, and then we actively and we repeatedly encourage. It's no secret today that people are starving for encouragement. Man or woman, young or old, married or single, whatever your situation, I have yet to talk with somebody that, that's come up to me and says, man, Tim, I feel so over-encouraged right now. It just doesn't happen. Everybody always feels like that tank could use a little bit more in it. Don't they? So, so we get that. And so in the, in the midst of this need for real encouragement, the church is a place that should offer Real encouragement. True community is a place that offers real encouragement. I'm not talking about some kind of insincere attaboy. I'm not talking about anything where you just give somebody lip service. You tell them what you think they want to hear, even if you don't really mean it. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is that in, com in compelling community, you are genuinely built up 
and you know that you are genuinely valued with the words that are used, with the way conversation happens, with, with how you talk in the group, there's no question that you're going to be formed, you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be valued in that sort of group. I ran across one tweet that says, that says this, and this is, this is directed at Christians. This tweet is, it says, in a world starving for encouragement, let's be Christians, let's be the most joyfully and aggressively encouraging people around. That's not talking about us going out and tackling people to encourage them. But I think what, it's, what it is saying is that we do need to be going out of our way to intentionally and actively and, re- and repeatedly encouraging others. Where, where we are never far from thinking about who we can encourage. And then we are never far from thinking about how we're going to do it. How practically, through a note, through an email, verbally on the phone or in person, how we're going to let the person know, I care about you. You're valued. Let's build each other up. All right, let's, let's take a step back. I'm going to look at the whole passage of Hebrews 10 one more time. There's, there's one more thing I don't want us to miss. All of these things we've been talking about together are to be done in a one another sort of way. You see it there in Hebrews 10, verse 24, we're to, we're to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, we encourage one another. The idea here is that in healthy community, everyone has a role to play and everyone's role is important. So, so that means we are all responsible to help create this sort of community we've seen. We're all responsible to help create a place and a group where people are loved, where good deeds are shown, and where people are encouraged. But then we all receive from this community as well. It benefits and offers something to us. We all should be receiving love. We let others do good things for us. And then we find encouragement in this sort of group. And so, so as we value and as we practice this sort of one anothering, Brookside, I, I am convinced that we will be known in the short list of things that people used to describe us as a place of substantial, biblical, compelling community. Well, there's all sorts of ways that we want to and we can apply these things we've been looking at today from Hebrews chapter 10. All sorts of ways. But, but I know for some of us, what we saw today can feel overwhelming because we're around people all the time. Right? At work, in our communities. Right now we're around a lot of people. I mean, Brookside is a large church. So, so it's a legitimate question to ask, who are we supposed to be doing this with? Well, if you want help with answering that question, the place we always point people towards first, by way of answer, is groups. This is why we offer groups across every ministry that we do at Brookside. This is why we have groups in our kids' ministry. In middle school, high school, this is why we do all the adult community groups that we do. Because we believe that, that, that if we can start doing what we've seen today in groups, that that will inject such health into the, in, into the blood flow of our church 
that that will then bleed out and affect everything else we do as a community. That, that we'll just be known as a place that, that embodies what we've seen today. That embodies love, good deeds, and encouragement for one another. And so if you're not in a group this morning, I, I hope you'll consider it in a fresh way. I, I hope this picture of true community we've seen, I hope it draws you in. I hope it's attractive to you and shows you what you can offer and what you can receive from these sorts of groups. I hope it's compelling enough that you'll listen for just a few more minutes this morning as we talk more about everything that groups offer and how you can get into one. Or if you are in a group, Hebrews 10 shows us the HD picture of what it is we're shooting for. Where, where we have this crisp picture in mind now. As we meet in groups, as we meet formally, and then as you do life informally, all the one anothering life together, ways that groups interact, we know what those are supposed to look like in terms of love, good deeds, and encouragement. All right, so let's, let's stop talking now, and let's start applying. In just a minute, you're going to hear more about what groups offer and how you can get into one. But, but first, let's build one another up as, as a large community, as, as a church family, by agreeing together in this song that we're about to sing. So, so I'm going to pray for us, and then Eli will come out and lead us from there. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a, a relational God and that you've built us for relationship. Father, we thank you for Hebrews 10, this passage that shows us what what healthy community looks like. So Jesus, my request right now is, is so simple, but I just pray that you would give us the strength and the grace to love others as you have loved us. And then I pray that by your work in this place and through us, that others would see the gospel at work and that all would know that we're your disciples as we love each other. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.